I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 88. In the Pew Bibles, it's page 925. Before we go there to read, I'd like to pray. Heavenly Father, please give your servant the grace that he needs in order to rightly handle this word, a word that is often overlooked, a word that carries so much importance. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would enlighten us by your spirit and show us, show us Christ our Savior. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Hear now the reading of God's holy, inspired, and infallible word. Psalm 88, a song, a psalm of the sons of Korah for the director of music, according to Mahalath Leonoth, a mascal of Heman the Ezraite. O Lord, the God who saves me, day and night I cry out before you, May my prayer come before you, turn your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of trouble, and my life draws near the grave. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like a man without strength. I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths, Your wrath lies heavily upon me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You have taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, O Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do those who are dead rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness in destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness? Are your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? But I cry to you for help, O Lord. In the morning my prayer comes before you. Why, O Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth I have been afflicted and close to death. I have suffered your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken my companions and loved ones from me. The darkness is my closest friend. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. As a family, Joe and Mary Lou Bailey, uh, their story is one where um, you read it and you think to yourself, I don't think I could endure what they endured. Um, Joe uh, was in the Lord's work. He's worked in Christian organization with students, and he wrote for Christian magazines. 
They had a happy family, three sons and a daughter. Then tragedy struck. One of their young sons developed leukemia, and at the age of five, he died. Joe tells about it in his book that he wrote afterward. Uh, Danny died in his own bed with his mother and father next to him, comforting him, loving him, and telling him about Jesus, his love, and heaven. Uh, the book is called The Last Thing We Talk About. The family's always spoken of these things, and Danny responded with the simple faith of a child and what his parents said. But uh, in the book, his father, Joe, says Danny did not want to go to heaven. He wanted to stay. He wanted to be with his mom and dad, his brothers and his sisters in his own home. He didn't want to leave all that he knew, but he did. He did leave. He died that day. Then God gave the Baileys the hope of new life again. After their son died, they were expecting another baby, and they rejoiced. Still, when the day came, the baby was born with a severe handicap. They named him John, and on the second day of his life, he also died. The Baileys had lost two children. It's been said the most severe trauma a parent can suffer is the death of a child. Statistics show that divorce rates skyrocket in families in which a child dies. Neither parent can reach out to the other beyond his or her own grief. Yet the Baileys lost two sons, and God was not finished with them yet. A few short years later, their 18-year-old son, Joe, had a freak sledding accident. And Joe was a hemophiliac, and so he bled to death. Seven years, three sons, three deaths. Joseph Bailey wrote a poem after the death of his son, Joe, and part of it goes like this. Let me alone, Lord. You've taken from me what I'd give your world. I cannot see such waste that you should take what poor men need. You have a heaven full of treasure. Could you not wait to exercise your claim on this? Oh, spare me, Lord, forgive that I may see beyond this world beyond myself, beyond your sovereign plan, or seeing not, may I trust you, spoiler of my treasure. Have mercy, Lord, here is my quick claim. Now maybe most of us haven't experienced the kind of despair that the Bailey family has experienced, or maybe the kind of despair that Heman the Ezraite explains here in Psalm 88, but We've tasted something like it. We've tasted what the Psalms call a lament. A large section of the book of songs that the people of Israel sang were laments. Most crying out with, why? Or, oh Lord. And Psalm 88 is... uh, is a unique lament amongst the laments because many laments begin with, Why, O Lord? And then end with, Yet I trust you. Yet I know you'll bring things into my life. You'll turn this situation around. Well, Psalm 88 doesn't end like that. It, ends, it begins with, O Lord, and it ends with darkness. Is my closest friend. So how are we supposed to understand a psalm like this here in God's book of songs, Psalm 88? 
what's it there uh, to teach us? Well, I think uh, it's there to teach us a number of things, but if there's one thing that I would like you to run away with from this sermon this morning, it would be this, that even in despair, cry out to the Lord. Even in despair, cry out to the Lord. Because there is a, uh, a repetition here in Psalm 88 that uh, we need to take note of. And that is the beginning of the psalm says, O Lord, the God who saves me day and night, I cry out before you. May my prayer come before you. This is a prayer that this man is making to his God, the God of his salvation, the God who saves him. Uh, Verse 9b says, I call to you, O Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. This is a prayer. And in verse 13, But I cry to you for help, O Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. You see, even though this psalm begins and ends with darkness, this is a prayer. This felt darkness, this deep pit of despair is spoken to the Lord. To the Lord. So even in despair, even in despair, cry out to the Lord. Um, there's a couple things that I'd like to, uh, to point out about this psalm. Um, and we're going to look at it in three points. Verse 1 through 9a, verse 9b through 12, and verse 13 through 18. So let's look at that first section of our psalm. Uh, the first thing that we should take note of is that this is uh, a prayer to the one God who saves this is a prayer, even in the midst of despair, to the only God who does save. Um, this prayer, we, we can't really tell what the life circumstances are, but we gather that the man who wrote this psalm, Psalm 88, is expressing uh, the kind of despair that one feels close to death. Verse 3 says, My soul is full of trouble, and my life draws near Sheol. The grave, um, and this is uh, another a number of things that the psalmist uh, points to. On count among, among those who go down to the pit, this is a synonym for the grave. Uh, I'm a man without strength, set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. The lowest pits, the darkest depths. The this is what this man is experiencing. Whatever he's experiencing, it feels like death. It feels like darkness. It feels like the end. He's surrounded by it and he sees no way out of it. But another thing that we should take note of in this first point is where he believes this darkness, this near-death experience this despair is coming from, ultimately. Verse 7, your wrath lies heavily upon me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You have taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. We can also see in other places 
that this man is a firm believer in the sovereignty of God. And we've often said in our circles that the sovereignty of God, the providential uh, character of God should be a comfort to us. The understanding that all things come from us, not by chance, uh, but, but from our Father's hand. Yet, there is a sense in which, in the midst of great despair, in the midst of great darkness, that truth can be bittersweet. Just like Joseph Bailey, who believed that the death of his three sons came to him not by chance, but by the Father's hand, is a realization that ultimately this can be pinned on nobody but God. If God did not want me to experience these things, then they would not happen to me. And yet, these are things happening to me. And so God is behind this. God is the one bringing this despair and hardship and near death and whatever it is that we go through, the depression, the darkness, the God is bringing this into our life. That's why laments often begin with, why? Because we're not always privy to the reasons behind the things that occur in our life. Great hardship that caused great sorrow. psalmist continues almost in a sarcastic, rhetorical way. Uh, for many Israelites, the land of the living was the time in which you praised God when you brought honor and glory to God. And in some ways, there was no opportunity to do such things beyond the grave. And so the psalmist speaks in this way. To the Lord, he says, do you show your wonders to the dead? Do those who are dead rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave? Your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness? Are your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? It's almost like the psalmist is saying, I want to live and I want to bring you glory and I want to praise you. And can I do that if I'm dead? Almost as if he's saying to God, am I dead to you? Does it matter to you whether I live or die, God? Does it matter whether I live or die? There's an honesty about this song. That's important for us to grasp and to apprehend. You see, this is God's word. God put, a, put this psalm here for us.
his word allows for those times in our life where we feel God does it matter to you whether I live or die? Am I dead to you? Verse 14, why, O Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me, that sense of which God has turned away from us? Verse 15, from my youth I've been afflicted and close to death. Um, this is, uh, could easily be exaggeration. All my life I have felt abandoned by you, God. I've suffered your terrors and am in despair all day and all my life. besides the truth that Psalm 88 is teaching us that even in despair we're called to cry out to the Lord just like the psalmist does here. There's a number of other things um, that it teaches us. Uh, the first is um, it teaches us that uh, there are times in the Christian's life where you can feel this way. There are times in a Christian's life when you can feel this way. There can be long seasons of a Christian's life when you feel this way, the, the way that Psalm 88 is expressing. One of the things I love about, about the Psalms is that they're, they're often not very specific. They're very generic. And the beauty about that is that you can place yourself and your own experiences into what the psalmist himself is experiencing in Psalm 88. Maybe you haven't had a near-death experience like him, but... What you felt like is like what he's talking about. The sense of being abandoned by God. The sense of feeling that God has turned his face from you. The sense of feeling that God is, is giving you a hard time. That God is making things difficult for you. That God has taken everything from you and left you in despair. The, the, the psalm here, Psalm 88, is teaching us that you can be a Christian and feel like this. Um, and I think that's important because um, if, you, uh, if you listen to K-Love or Shine.fm, you might get the picture. You might get the idea by all those encouraging and uplifting songs. The Christians aren't supposed to be sad. The Christians aren't supposed to cry. The Christians aren't supposed to have doubts about whether God really loves them or not. I think that's one of the reasons why it's important to sing the Psalms. Because you actually get to voice, express in praise to God, in direction to God, that, yeah, God, I feel alone. This means that 
the Psalms express the heart of humanity. And God and his wonderful wisdom and providence did not say, I I don't want a song like this in my holy book. I don't want somebody who's praying like this to me to represent me or to, or to uh, be, be placed here for other people to think that they can speak to me like that. No, God said, here's this for you. So that you can know that even though you're told that despair may come in the Christian life, even though you may go through seasons where you feel the despair will never end, you are invited to pray to me. Even if your prayer is, why, O oh Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? Even if your prayer does not end with, But, Lord, I know you're gracious and merciful, but instead ends, hello, darkness, my old friend. I believe another thing. Psalm 88 teaches us then is the grace of God and giving us a voice in the midst of our despair and giving us permission to pray in such manner and giving us a reality about what it means to live the Christian life. Because so much of the way we experience things happens to be related to our expectations, right? And maybe K-Love and maybe Shine.fm play so many encouraging and uplifting songs because they know that the most thing that people need is encouragement and uplifting because there's so much hardship and sadness and difficulty in our life. But like I said, sometimes that can paint the picture that what I'm feeling and what I'm experiencing in my heart, this despair and this sadness, this, this feeling of loneliness, this feeling of being forgotten by God and not cared for, the, the hardship that's coming into my life that I know is coming from God's very own hand. How, how, can, I, how can I speak about this in my Christian life? Is this allowed that God gives us voice in that gives us his very own holy words to express these things teaches us the grace and mercy that God has for us and giving us this prayer because sometimes What we can be taught about the Christian life today, the expectations that we might have about the Christian life are, well, well, now that I'm a Christian and now that I've turned my life around and now that I'm living for the Lord, nothing really bad can happen to me. I mean, nothing really bad can happen to me. It's it's all going to be blessings and butterflies and rainbows. And so then when something 
happens to us, something bad happens to us, we're thrown. But Psalm 88 teaches us, no, it can be the good, faithful Christian who does all things by the book, who is there every time the church doors are open, who prays unceasingly, but experiences the deepest despair and turmoil. Your despair and your sadness and your difficulty and your anxieties is not evidence that you have been forsaken by God or some sort of lower class Christian. I hope you know that. Psalm 88 proves it. Another thing that Psalm 88 teaches us is that despair can make us people of greatness. If you read Psalm 88, it might remind you a lot about uh, Job, that story in the Old Testament. The poetry, the words in which Psalm 88 speaks echo a lot of the prayers that Job has towards God. If you remember uh, the story of Job, uh, Job is this blessed man, um, and, and, and one day Satan comes into the presence of the Lord, and the Lord says, have you seen my servant Job? And uh, if you remember what, what Satan says uh, in response to being shown Job, um, he says, doth Job love God for nothing? And what Satan was basically saying is, well, don't you realize that Job loves you, God, because you have given him so many children. You have enriched him with all this livestock. You have made him a wealthy and prominent man. And so, that's why he loves you. Because Job is in a transactional relationship with you, God. And so, um, Satan says, let me take these things away from him and let's see if Job um, really does love you. So God grants Satan permission to, uh, to torment Job. And uh, the beginning of Job is just an unraveling of much of what uh, it seemed like the Bailey family went through. Uh, your children have all died. The house has fallen on them. All your livestock has been stolen and carried away. Um, your fields have been set on fire, um, and all these things have happened to you. And it gets so bad that Job is sitting in a pile of his, his, his own uh, just destruction and ashes, and uh, he's using a pot, and he's scraping these boils from his body, and his wife comes to him and says, Have you not had enough? Curse God and die. And the rest of the story of Job is a number of his friends coming and spending time with him and then telling him all these reasons why all these bad things have happened to him and then Job speaking to God. And, uh, and what we find, what we find at the end of the story of Job 
is God comes, he reveals himself, and God looks at Job and God says, you have done what is right, but he looks at Job's friends and he says, listen, if Job doesn't pray for you, I'm going to smite and kill all of you because you have done what was wrong. And, and if you read Job, you'll find that many of Job's prayers to God are quite flagrant. They're quite in the face of God. In fact, God comes to him and he says, I'm the one who created everything. You don't even deserve an answer. Just know that I am God. And so why is it? Why is it that God says, Job, you've done what is right, and you, all Job's friends, you have done what is wrong, and you better hope that Job prays for you, or I'm going to smite you, or I'm going to kill you? Um, Because, in the end, Satan lost. You know why? Because even though everything was taken from Job, Job still prayed to God. Even if Job's prayer was, why, God? Why have you done all this? God, I have been faithful to you. God, I've done nothing wrong. Why have these hardships come into my life? Even if Job's prayer was bordering on what some of us might call blasphemous, Job never turned from God. And he proved to Satan That Job's relationship with God is not a transactional one. God, I'll love you if you do this, you do that, you do this. And so why does Psalm 88 teach us um, that despair can turn us into people of greatness? Because in the midst of that darkness and despair, Job proved that his relationship with God was one built on love and trust. And sometimes it takes those moments of darkness and despair to prove that our faith is a genuine one. Our faith is one that is not built on transactions. God, if you do this for me, I'll love you and I will take care of you. But if you don't do this for me, it's over. I'm done. I'm gone. And when you have people who come into your life in the midst of that despair and say, look what's brought Look what this has brought in your life, your faith. Look at all these things that have happened to you. Why are you even believing anymore? And you just say, because I know that God is a loving God. He is the God of my salvation. The God who saves me. Because you say, like, like Peter does to Jesus, Lord, where else can we go? You have the words of life. That is the kind of shaping in darkness the kind of pressure that creates diamonds in fact if you look at who Heman the Ezraite is he's a man who was part of the sons of Korah a group created by David 1 Chronicles 6 to be those who made music for the worship of the people of God. And you can read other songs of Heman the Ezraite in the Psalter, uh, many of which do not end on such a sour note as this. And one of the things that we have to take to Psalm 88 from what we know of the rest of the Scriptures is that although to him and the Ezraites, Psalm 88, his darkness felt objective. 
it would never end. We know uh, that it was subjective. We know that it was not always going to be that way. And here's why we know. Because there is a very powerful lament that happens when Jesus is hanging from the cross. When Jesus, our Savior, who is the man of sorrows, one acquainted with grief, cried out from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A mystery beyond mysteries where the Son of God actually was separated from the Father as he took on himself the sin of mankind. Jesus could speak the words of Psalm 88 and not be fibbing with all sincerity. And it's in that moment of darkness when darkness came over the land where the ground shook and everybody was frightened when he breathed his last, when he said those words, it is finished, that the curtain to the Holy of Holies ripped from top to bottom. Graves broke open. Where the real lasting and forever darkness of hell was taken away from the people of God and the work of Jesus Christ, our Savior. We are told that we have a Savior that sympathizes with us. He knows what loneliness feels like. He knows what despair feels like. And so may I remind you all that even in the midst of despair, you can cry out to the Lord Jesus Christ. You can cry out to him. And may you know, even if you feel continuously trapped by that despair, even if you feel that God is not with you, even if you feel that this darkness will never end, may you know that in Jesus Christ, all darkness and despair will come to an end. The tears of Christians are wiped away and collected in bottles. The hardship we experience in this life is not to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us when Christ comes again to make the new heavens and the new earth. And so, let not your despair keep you from the grace of Jesus Christ. Let not your despair keep you from crying out to him. Let not your despair keep you from coming to the table and partaking and 
praying continuously to the Lord that whatever darkness and despair and depression you may be experiencing now, you are still trusting in him. You are still hoping in him. You are still praying to him because you know, you know, even if it is just a shred of what you are feeling in your heart, that all this darkness and despair will come to an end one day and you will be forever blessedly in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. Thank you that you have given voice to our despair. Thank you that in Jesus Christ you will not leave us in despair. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you will give us grace and mercy. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.